Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. And if you're here today for the very first time, we're really glad that you're here. And it could be that for some of you, the first time that you came was last weekend during Friendship Weekend. And if so, we're really glad that you decided to come back a second time. We hope that you continue to do that. Keep coming back. Be a part of the church family here. And Big Valley Grace Community Church is a church made up of lots of different people in various locations and settings that gather for worship on a weekly basis. Tonight, tomorrow, in this room, in the cafe, in the venue, and online, and wherever it is that you're joining with us right now, that we're really glad that you are here. And I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 24. And if you don't have a copy of the Bible for yourself, just come to the altar room right after today's gathering. We want to put a copy of the Word of God in your hands. It would be our great joy to do so that you could begin on your own to be reading the Scriptures for yourself and to begin studying them on your own. I would encourage you to take advantage of the printed note sheets. They're inside the printed program that you were handed. I think they'll be quite helpful for you, especially if you don't have a Bible. The whole passage is on there. And then as you open that up, there's the logical flow of how we're going to work through that passage tonight. And so that'll probably be a help to you as we continue in, in studying the Word of God together. Today's passage, the small piece that we're going to observe together, when you think of how big the Bible is, it's just a small piece we're going to look at. Uh, it requires us to understand another small piece of the Scripture. Uh, it's a piece from the Old Testament, where we see, tonight we're going to be looking in the New Testament, but we, where we see the, Jesus, the Son of God, really finishing a sentence from God the Father that we find in the Old Testament. And so we're going to briefly begin just in Exodus chapter 3 to look at what God is doing there. And in chapter 3 of Exodus, Moses and God are having a conversation. And it says, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, because the Lord was going to send Moses to the sons of Israel. And I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And now they, the sons of the Israels, will say to me, Moses, what is his name? And what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The Father God describes himself to Moses as I am. So in other words, when Moses comes to the ancient nation of Israel and shares with them about God, Moses is to say to the nation of Israel, sons of Israel, I have been sent here to you by I am. I am has sent me to you. Now let's connect this to this piece from the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3 of, of who God is. We're going to connect that to the New Testament revelation in John chapter 6 of who Jesus is. In the Old Testament, the Father describes himself to Moses as I am. And in the New Testament, Jesus, the Son of God, he completes the I am sentence. In fact, the Gospel of John records seven different ways that Jesus completes the I am sentence. Now for us today, we're going to look at the first one. The first of the seven I am statements that the Gospel of John records for us. We just see it displayed for the first time in John chapter 6, verse 35. It says this, Jesus said to them, 
I am the bread of life. In fact, three times in our passage today, we see Jesus specifically use this sentence structure to finish the I am statement of God. Here are those three verses, the full verse here in verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Then Jesus says it again in verse 48. I am the bread of life. And again in verse 51. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So big picture, what is Jesus doing here? What is he communicating? What is he saying? First, Jesus is declaring himself to be God. Jesus is mirroring the statement. He's mirroring it. The statement of God the Father. And he's saying, I am. Jesus is saying, I am God. And the second part of it, Jesus is declaring that as God, Jesus is the one who sustains life which is represented in the phrase bread of life. So when you put these two phrases together, Jesus is saying, I am God who sustains life. Now Jesus, as he completes the I am statement from the Father, he now declares, I am the bread of life. Jesus declares, I am God who sustains life. Jesus declares that he is the true source for the satisfaction of every desire that we experience in every aspect of our lives. Jesus is the sustaining resource, or as Jesus calls it, the bread that our lives truly need. In fact, in our passage today, we can see how Jesus, who is the bread of life, satisfies four desires that are expressed by his audience. And this is gonna be what we observe together today, that the bread of life, Jesus, satisfies four desires. There's many more desires that he satisfies and there's more ways that he sustains, but we're just looking at these four because they're presented in the passage. Let's walk through the passage together. At the beginning of the passage, we see the ancient crowd seeking out Jesus in verse 24. The crowd had longings, they had desires, and they sought out Jesus to satisfy these desires that they were experiencing. In verses 24 and 25, it says, So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, let's remember the context of these verses when Jesus performed a miracle to feed thousands of people. You can go online and listen to it from three weeks ago if you want to study that with us. In our passage today, it's the same crowd of people who were present at that miracle. The same crowd of people who ate the loaves and the fish that Jesus miraculously multiplied. This is the same crowd of people who had experienced a physical desire of hunger. And Jesus had satisfied their physical desire with physical food, specifically the loaves and the fish that Jesus miraculously multiplied. Now, when the crowd who had witnessed Jesus perform this miracle to feed the 5,000 men, which meant there was probably about 5,000 women and probably about 5,000 children, so probably about 15,000 people, this same crowd, when they realized that Jesus had left the area, they went looking for Jesus. 
Why did they do this? Well, it's pretty simple. They got hungry. The miraculous multiplication of the loaves and the fish was the day earlier. So when their stomachs began to growl again, they started looking for Jesus. As soon as they felt the ache in their stomach, they remembered the miracle. And they came searching for more food from the miracle worker. They weren't searching for Jesus. They were searching for food. In verse 26, Jesus says, he answered them and said, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, the father God has set his seal we see Jesus encourage them to desire something greater than physical food that perishes. There is food or bread or nourishment that is greater than physical food that perishes. And Jesus encourages them to set their sights, their desire on food that endures to eternal life. Nourishment for the spiritual life, which can only be found in Jesus, who is approved by God the Father to be the sole provider for the spiritual food that we also desperately need. Now, however, it is tempting to long for physical food over spiritual food. We all experience this temptation. It's tempting to prioritize satisfying our physical desires over satisfying our spiritual desires. And Jesus faced this same temptation against the devil himself. When Jesus was being tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, or he had been fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, and he was tempted. It was after his baptism. Let's observe how Jesus handled himself when Satan personally came to tempt Jesus in this area of physical hunger. And this is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil, Satan himself, comes to tempt Jesus when Jesus is physically weak. And Satan tempts Jesus to use his miraculous powers to turn stones into bread. Something which Jesus was fully capable of doing. However, Jesus overcomes this temptation. And Jesus, Jesus overcomes this physical desire for food. Jesus overcomes Saint, Satan's temptation with the very word of God. As Jesus quotes scripture directly at Satan. Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we, we want to follow in the example of Jesus Christ, who in human flesh modeled for us what it looks like to be fully depending on God the Father to sustain his life. For God the Father to be the satisfaction of his desire. And we see in our passage today that Jesus declares that he, as the son of God, is the person who will satisfy our desires and sustain our lives. And this brings us back to the first desire that's going to be exposed in our passage today. And this is desire number one. 
significant work. It's a desire for significant work. We see this in verses 28 through 29. The bread of life satisfies your desire for significant work. The crowd who was following Jesus was just encouraged by Jesus to stop longing for food that perishes and and change their desires to long after God, to long after food which endures to eternal life and ask Jesus a really great question. This is a question many of us likely have asked in some form or another in verse 28. They said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? In other words, the crowd asked Jesus, what kind of work is significant enough that God would approve it? What is the significant work we are supposed to do so that God will be pleased with us? In verse 29, Jesus answered and said to him, to them, the crowd, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Believing in Jesus, the son of God, whom the father God sent is, is the significant work that God has for you to do. Faith in Jesus Christ is significant work. And when you engage in the significant work of placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation, the bread of life will satisfy the desire in your life for engaging in significant work. If you want to work hard for God doing something that matters, the hard work that God has for you is to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. If you want your life to be about a truly significant work, the significant work that God has for you is faith in Jesus Christ. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ and continue to grow in that faith each and every day by the grace of God, then you will experience the bread of life, namely Jesus, satisfying your desire for your life to be engaged in significant work. The second desire that's exposed in our passage here today is desire number two. And this is miraculous experiences. And we see this in verses 30 through 40 because the bread of life satisfies your desire for miraculous experience. The crowd, remember this crowd who had seen the miracle of the feeding of the multitudes and they're now chasing after the miracle worker because their stomachs get hungry and they want to see him do more tricks for them, more miracles for them. By the very hands of Jesus, they ate and now they come desiring him to do it again. So in verse 30 and 31, they blatantly come out and say it. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written... He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Let me back up to verse 30. So they said to him, what do you do for a sign? So what what are you going to do for a, a miracle that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? And then they say, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Now, if you don't know what manna from the wilderness is, I would encourage you to go open up your Bible at another moment and read the Exodus account. Because as a part of the provision of God for the nation of Israel, as they wandered in the wilderness, God miraculously allowed there to be bread formed on the ground every morning. And they would walk 
out of their tent, they would look at the ground and say, what is it? Which is manna. What is it? And they would pick it up and they would have bread for the day. God did a miraculous sign and the Lord every night laid down bread on the ground for them to eat. So they come and they say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for us, Jesus? Again, Jesus redirects their thinking in verse 32. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. In verse 33, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. So God, he's, he's, Jesus is redefining some terms here about what kind of bread he's talking about. You see, he's sharing that God is the source of all the blessings of heaven, which includes life itself. God is the source of all life. And Jesus is basically saying the same thing he's already stated. Stop seeking this food that perishes, this physical food that perishes, and seek the food that endures to eternal life. Have your attention on God the Father and what it is God the Father is wanting to do. Thus, the crowd responds to Jesus after he is kind of massaging their thinking, and they say, Lord, always give us this bread. If there is some miraculous bread for us to have, Lord, we want it. And they're probably thinking right now, he's about to do it again. He's about to perform another miracle. Lord, give us this bread. What is this new bread? In verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Jesus is the true miracle of God. Knowing Jesus himself is the miraculous experience that we all need. To come to Jesus is to be satisfied. Encountering Jesus, the Son of God, whom God the Father sent, is the miraculous experience that God has for you. A relationship with Jesus Christ is truly a miraculous experience. When you experience the miracle of coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ as your God and Savior, the bread of life, Jesus, will satisfy your desire for a miraculous experience. A true miracle occurs when a sinner like me is justified before a holy and righteous God because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A true miracle occurs when the redeemed sinner is transformed from death into new life. A true miracle occurs when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside a believer. And Jesus continues to describe the miraculous work that he will do for the believer in verses 37 through 40. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all Of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but I raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, 
that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. God's will is that all whom Jesus has received will remain in Jesus unto eternal salvation, which is by the resurrection from the dead unto life forever with God in heaven. See for yourself the true miracle of Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus as the true miracle. He's the experience that you are looking for. He is the miraculous that you long for, that you would have the hope of the true miracle of God resurrecting your life unto eternal life, salvation with Christ in heaven for eternity. The bread of life, Jesus, he will satisfy your desire for miraculous experiences as he works a miracle in you. The third desire that's exposed in our passage today is desire number three. And it's a connection with God. We see this in verses 41 through 51. The bread of life satisfies your desire for a connection with God. The focus of the discussion now shifts from the crowd as a whole to the Jews as a people group who were present. And the text continues in verse 41. Therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him. Because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. That should shock no one because they grumbled about the manna as well. And it goes on to say, they were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? It was very concerning to the Jews that Jesus was describing himself as having a connection with God in heaven by a means which they did not understand. Jesus is seen as a threat to how the Jews understood how to have connection with God through the Levitical priesthood and the sacrificial system. So Jesus addresses this issue head on of how a person has connection with God. In verses 43 through 45, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't complain about how God chooses to have a connection with you. God can pursue a connection with his people in any way that God chooses. And the Jews were thinking in a very narrow framework through their current understanding of how they as a nation understood how they had as a nation access to God. And Jesus expands their thinking and declares God the Father as the one who defines how a person can have connection with God. God is in charge of how a person has connection with God. And Jesus continues in verse 46. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers, they ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Access through Jesus, the Son of God, whom God the Father has sent, is the connection God has for you. Access through Jesus Christ is your connection to God. When you connect with God through Jesus Christ as the one who has provided access for you, the bread of life, Jesus, he will satisfy the desire in your life for a connection with God. Jesus is the connection to the Father. The fourth desire that's exposed in our passage today, desire number four, is to live forever. A desire to live forever. And we see this unpacked in 52 through 58, that the bread of life satisfies your desire to live forever. Now, here in the conversation, it it turns sharply into an argument And it breaks out among the Jews in verse 52. It says the Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? That is an understandable question. That is a very understandable question. What does Jesus mean by this? Well, fortunately, Jesus continues to explain what it is that he is communicating. In John 6 53 says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. In other words, Jesus is making it crystal clear that life is found in the flesh and the blood of of Jesus. A person must eat the flesh of Jesus and drink the blood of Jesus to have life. Fortunately, Jesus continues here in verse 54. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food. And my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So he who eats me will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, He who eats this bread will live forever. And if you want to know how they respond to that statement, come back next week because Pastor Rick is going to be preaching exactly on that, all right? But what we're going to do right now is we're going to tie in what is he talking about? 
What is Jesus saying? At this moment in the conversation, the Jews did not have any clue what Jesus was talking about. They did not realize the foreshadowing of the redemptive work of the cross of Calvary. The Jews didn't know that Jesus was planning to physically give his flesh and physically give his blood as the perfect sacrifice. They had no idea that he was planning on doing that, that he would be the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins for the entire world on that cross at Calvary. The Jews, they had the desire to live forever, but they did not want to accept that Jesus was the way to satisfy that desire. They did not accept Jesus as the one who would provide access to experience eternal life. The flesh and blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. It is the means in which God has provided you opportunity to live forever. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is the only way for you to access life forever. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which is the perfect and acceptable sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. When you do that, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, where Jesus did the cleansing and atoning work for the forgiveness of your sins, when you do that, when you place your faith In Jesus Christ, the bread of life, Jesus, he will satisfy your desire to live forever. And this brings us right to communion together tonight. That as a church family, we would be reminded about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Because communion reminds us that Jesus is the bread of life. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is recorded as having a a last supper with his close disciples. And it says in Matthew 26, verses 26 through 30, that while they were eating, that Jesus took some bread and and after blessing it, he, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. Take, eat, this is my body. Says that when he had taken a cup and he had given thanks, he gave it to them. He said, drink from it, all of you. And he says, for This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. He says, but I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. He says, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. In this moment, Jesus, he uses the bread and a cup to be symbols, to be symbols. 
for us to continually remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. When we eat the bread, it reminds us about how we all need to eat the flesh of Jesus Christ. Or in other words, when we eat the bread, it reminds us of how we need the sacrifice of the perfect life of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And so Jesus says, you must eat my flesh. You must accept my life as the perfect life that you needed. And so you must eat my flesh because you need my perfect life given for you. When we drink the cup, it reminds us about how we all need to drink the blood of Jesus. Or in other words, when we drink the cup, it reminds us of how we need the sacrifice of the perfect blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And so Jesus, he says, you must drink my blood. Why? Because you need my perfect blood. You need my perfect blood given on your account. And so I I want you to to do this in remembrance of me, that you would drink the cup and you would remember that you needed to drink my blood. Or in other words, you needed the perfect blood of me given for your account to wash away and cleanse you of your sin. Now, over the next few songs, we're going to do this a little different tonight. We encourage those of you who are believers, that part's the same, uh, who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation to enjoy remembering the body and the blood of Jesus Christ through communion. There, There are stations, they're set up like this, all over the room. They're, they're all up front here. They're in the back. They're, they're at the fronts of the balconies, okay? They're, they're all over the room. And I would encourage you during these next songs, at a, at a moment you would choose, there's two songs, you've got plenty of time, that you would rise up out of your seat and in remembrance of our need to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus, or to, to remember his perfect life, and his perfect blood given for us, that you would come to one of these stations and that you would simply break off a piece of the bread and that you would dip it in the cup and that you would eat. And on your own, you would enjoy celebrating the Lord's Supper, the meal that Jesus used to remind us of him. Together, we celebrate and remember the flesh of Jesus. And we celebrate and remember the blood of Jesus. Father God, Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for you. And God, may this be a time that pleases you as we do what you have asked us to do, which is to remember the importance of your flesh and your blood given for us. And so God... Would we honor you in this time? May we worship you well during this moment of communion. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Let's celebrate communion together. Tonight, 
It may be that you've heard that Jesus wants to satisfy your desire. And you've got that up here. But you need to move it down into your heart. And there's something that's going on in your life that you, you just need somebody to pray with you about. This is the encouragement that Jesus gives in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We would love to pray with you tonight. If there's something that's going on and you want to join together with another brother or join together with another sister in Christ, that we believe together for the work of God that you're hoping is going to happen in you. Come to the altar room. We'd love to pray with you. We would love to, to turn our attention to Jesus together because he, he's the bread of life and he will satisfy you. May you be blessed as you go tonight. The bread of life, he goes with you. Amen. Blessings as you go. Have a wonderful night. Take care.